0: Is there something you'd like to say to death? My name is Matthew Kroll And we have a destiny to
1: fill. Think about our fans, dude. My name is Shahir Dowd.
0: And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film. Bill and Ted face the music. Wait,
1: did you do the uh did you do the reverb effect on this or did I not get that? Oh,
0: do you want that? Ready? Here we gotta do it, right? Yeah, let's two, try that one. again. Okay.
1: I don't, yeah, well,
0: you know. I mean, I like the idea. What do you mean? What do you <laughs> what? <laughs> the execution was quite Listen, everyone for me. listening, I need to I need to tell you something right away. Shahir Dowd, admittedly, is like on vacation mode. He just finished a big job, and now he's got his friggin' vacation beard, and he's he's drinking a sparkling seltzer. And he just yeah. has—he has senioritis of the utmost degree. Uh, I am—I am totally phoning this in, literally,
1: because I'm doing this over Skype. Of course, but you're totally skyping also, uh, this also in. Also, because I'm. I have very few notes for this one. I was just like, I'm just going to watch this movie. And I'm just going to look forward to watching this movie. I'm not going to I'm not going to stress about this movie. I'm not going to stress about writing notes as I always do. I'm not going to like do a lot of research. I'm just going to enjoy this cuz that's this is what I need in my life right now. And so and then at, it only occurred to me about 20 minutes ago that we were doing the podcast and I had to run down to sit up the mics and everything and get the headphones and everything was going wrong and everything sort of went into chaos. And then I was like, you know what? I'm fine. It's good. It's just a podcast.
0: Great. It's, it's totally fine. Great. So, well, I'm glad I'm glad you're chillaxing, dude. Uh, How are you doing? I'm all right. Uh, I, yep. I I'm actually very much in a work mode. I had already finished the graphic for the show. Um, nice. I took a copious amount of notes. Uh, <laughs> no, not really. I took I I did a all right um, amount of notes, but I did, uh, dear listeners, kind of immerse myself in the Bill and Tedness of it all this week. Uh, because as we'll get into, the movie got me feeling a certain way, and then I went back and I did sort of like a lot of tertiary like. I don't know. Not not deep dives into Bill and Ted because there's three movies and actually a lot of other stuff I didn't even realize existed. Um, but what, like the TV show. Yeah, which one?
1: Uh, the the well, there was the animated show and then there was a one season of another show. Wasn't
0: oh there? yeah, there was. I
1: didn't see the other show. I did watch the animated series as a kid.
0: Eight episodes on Fox, baby. Nineteen ninety one. I and think you was watch the that? year. No, well, I, I've seen clips of it. Uh, and yeah. uh, there's a little bit of research. 1991 was the year of four Bill and Teds. And actually, hats mm-hmm. off Entertainment, a YouTube channel I like, um, the, talked about this a little bit, so you can go check them out. But basically, during 1991, <laughs> there was Bill and Ted's uh, Excellent Adventures, the animated series, voiced by the original cast, including yeah, George that's Carlin. Kind of amazing. Then yeah. the live sitcom version called Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures. Cool. <laughs> then they re-aired the animated series and did a second season, but now trying to match... It might not have been a second season or a mid-season replacement. Then redoing the audio to not have Keanu Reeves and friends be the voices and use the new cast so it would make sense with the TV show. And then later that year, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey came out.
1: Wow. So, like... 1990 was the 1991. year of... Uh, uh, bad robot usses i
0: mean it was the year of many bill and ted's which if you're a fan of the series as i am is always something that is thwarting them
1: (laughs) i i remember quite enjoying the animated series when it was uh when i was a bit younger i think i think it had that sort of animaniacs vibe it was sort of like slightly irreverent you know like paying homage to the series but just going in wild directions slightly winking to the camera um a lot of fun.
0: But also Alex Winter, Keanu Reeves, and um, George Carlin all together, mm-hmm. like, in an animated cartoon. I think at the time I didn't realize how special that made it feel. But th- it, right. it was very rare back in the day for the popular uh, motion picture to get the cast back for the animated series run. Uh, right, right.
1: And this did until it didn't. Here's a fun, another fun, like, unrelated fact. But George Carlin... Was the voice of the narrator in the in the Americanized version of Thomas the Tank Engine? Yes, and it yep. is really weird. Like yeah, I, he, like live I, action, this, he's tiny in it, right? No, no he he's the he's the narrator, so he tells the story.
0: Right. I thought he uh, was like a small conductor. I thought he was actually in it. Oh, maybe no, I'm I don't remembering know. it wrong.
1: I don't know about that, no, but like basically, because it was you know like the the whole show is a stop motion show. Yeah. That they would just uh, revoice for.
0: oh it's in vacation mode
1: it's all vacation mode too
0: many seltzers
1: (laughs) the the show is an animated show that uh it was revoiced for american audiences so they just had a new narrator but george carlin is not what i would think of as narrator voice he's like he's kind of wry and i'm always thinking that he's about to tell a joke and his voice isn't quite as like polished as the British version, which is the I version like I grew it. up with, it, like it's got that real sort of. And Thomas did this, and then it was right. like George. George, Cowan, George. George and is Thomas be did like this,
0: and he's going to tell you exactly what Thomas did. Like, yeah, exactly. exactly. I, I don't know. I think that's great.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was just it was fun, It was a fun realization. Um, um, did man, you I, watch these films? Obviously, wait, hang on. Okay. Why did I even ask that question? Did you watch these films growing up?
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> yes, I did. Yes, did. Uh, uh I went and saw uh, Bogus Journey in the theater. I don't think I saw Bill and Ted in the theater because I, I think I was eight. I think right. when Bill and Ted came out, uh, and although I think that Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey was only like a year or two after, um, yeah. But I guess that was the age where it was fine for me to go. Uh, yeah, no, I love these movies. Um, it, there's, as a franchise, um, it is such an odd duck because. <laughs> Everything about it should scream dated and stupid. And granted, in the first two movies, actually, to be honest, there's really only one or two parts that feel uh, bad in in the previous films. Um, uh, mainly some um, uh, how do I how do I want to put it? Just sort derogatory uh, were wor- uh, derogatory words. Uh, some homophobia, et cetera. Yeah. Um. But like for these characters, like for, this was the age of of like young surfer type people being like, dude, like, and all of that stuff has always felt so like almost dumb and or stonery because that's how it was always played. But Bill and Ted, for some reason, like they they maybe they started out that way, or maybe the creators always envisioned sort of the anti stoner like uh, valley dude uh, in a sort of way from San Dimas, California. But like. I think it's because they're not played as stupid or druggies that they actually, like, still function as likable human beings while while being, like, weird caricatures. Like, right. I can't think of another film or franchise or series comedy otherwise that sort of, like, took this type of of character and left them not only, like, beloved, I would say, but also, like... Again, these are only two movies. The last one was in 1991, and the rest of this stuff was like Saturday morning cartoons or failed TV pilots, God, ages ago. And yet, most people have heard the names Bill and Ted, and they know it's about two time traveling guys who say "dude" a lot. Like, right? I, I, it's just the the history of it, and the sort of like I mean,
1: Wayne's World, right? I mean, Wayne's World is built on a similar archetype, with, you World know, like has slight a variation.
0: Cultural, cinematic iconic moment. Uh, and Wayne Wayne's Wayne World? and Garth are not stoners. Like, uh, I, I, are are Bill and Ted? Stoners no, 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 they're then? not. I think but they're that's the one stoner of the interesting archetype. Things. These are so so. The difference is, I think, anyway, um, that sort of Wayne Wayne and Wayne's World has that um, the, obviously the headbanging scene, etc., and all of the things on SNL to so sort of lead up to it. That sort of kept it into the cultural zeitgeist, like that. The the Bohemian Rhapsody scene is literally cinema iconography at this point. There's mm. nothing in Bill and Ted that is that. But yet, right. I don't know, there's just a thing about it. And so when this movie, Bill and Ted Face the Music, uh, was announced, I was terrified. <laughs> 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 um, I, you know, you never know. I mean, again, this is original as original cast can get and and crew for a lot of it, um, uh, at least the creative forces behind it. Yeah, and, you're talking about Ed Solomon and Chris uh, Matheson, the writers, yeah, yeah. Who,
1: who by all accounts are very much originated the idea and a like balled according to according to themselves they 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 speak like them it and it's kind of based off their interactions
0: yeah um you know and as I heard about it and you know the first trailer didn't like really blow me away I know you don't watch trailers it was fine yeah. um and it and it felt like it was going it it felt like I was on a nostalgia train that was just going to whimper into a station um station um <laughs> but do you know the story did you hear the story about why station is still station i believe so
1: okay we'll we'll, we'll get to that them. in a bit then oh yeah. well you can tell me later i guess oh, okay. or tell everybody oh you want me to yeah, tell no you more.
0: now i want to see if i remember but i cuz i can't place it right now maybe i've heard it
1: Oh, well, the the reason that it's called station is that they were doing that, that the writers were doing rewrites at the time. And um, as they did a rewrite, they accident like there was a scene that was interior station day. Oh, and no. for some reason, during the rewrite, they just forgot they they just forgot to take out the word station. So basically, they just like, in the middle of the script, there's just the word station. And so they would, as they were writing it, they would just laugh at each other going, da-da-da-da, station, da-da-da-da, station. And they would just wander around for like days on end saying station. And eventually it wound up its way into the script.
0: Became the most uh, intelligent being in all of the universe, if uh, exactly. Bogus Journey is to be believed. Um, yeah, so... Um, I don't know. This was always going to be an interesting one for me, and I cannot wait to talk about it. However, there is some other stuff before we um, take uh, this most excellent journey with one another, Shahir, that we probably should talk about. We have a couple of emails and some other things.
1: Yeah. Uh, thank you to everyone who wrote us in an emailed at OnlyMoviePodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at OnlyMoviePod. One thing I'm going to suggest from this point forward as we get closer to November is...
0: Yeah. Uh, how, what do you how got? Do what is this? I, I don't even know what this is. I, I'm thinking
1: about this out loud as I'm saying it. But basically, you don't have to email us in, but I really want to encourage everybody to go to vote.gov yes. and register to vote uh, right now. If there's anything we can do at as a podcast from this point, I, I read somewhere that there's a statistic if you can get 10 people to vote, that is uh, 10 people who haven't registered to vote to vote, that could change... Uh, that could change quite a lot. Sure. So I'm well, gonna, I, I'm just going to say this. Register to vote. I'm going to do it right now as we're talking. Vote.gov. You can go there. I'm going to show how you basically you select your territory, which is New York. For me, find out how to register. It'll tell me exactly where my online deadlines are, where I'm going to vote, if I'm registered. Please, this is my first U.S. election, and I cannot stress enough, for me as a person who is a newly naturalized citizen, this election feels like, the most election, most important election of my lifetime. Oh, so it easily
0: it easily is.
1: Please register to vote uh, and and take this seriously. Here's what I, I'll I, say. I,
0: Here's what I'll yeah. say. I'll even up this. Okay? okay. You'll up the ante. I'll up the ante. Okay. So I imagine because all of our listeners are highly intelligent people who are up on current events and know the dangers of one of the uh, people that is uh, rhymes with dump um, yeah. on the ticket. Um, but if that you are out there and you just haven't gotten around to it yet or whatever, here's what I want you to do in the sort of added incentive. Yes, of course, register to vote and go vote in this election because it will literally change literally. It could change absolutely everything. But if you email us in onlymoviepodcast at at gmail.com and let us know that you registered to vote specifically because we asked you to. And we'll know if you're lying. <laughs> uh, I am willing for at least the first I don't know, let's say five, to uh do some sort of short personal, maybe we'll release them in an anthology, I don't know, review of any film you want me to do or us to do. I'm putting you in on this too, Shaheer. All right, all right. I'm in. I'm in. So and, and basically what that means is like Shaheer and I do a do a tight five on on your favorite movie or whatever we will and, and we
1: will watch them and we will discuss them so yes yes i'm i'm 100 in on that um please email us in if you hadn't at this point registered to vote and you decided to vote because we're going to talk about it from on every episode from this yeah. point forth um i want to plug that much more than our own like going to our website or anything yeah. like that uh please register to vote um so with that said, um, we got a lovely email in from Jacob this Hi, week. Hi, Jacob. <laughs> hey, what's up, Jacob? Uh, again, probably one of the best emails we ever got on our Hamilton episode. Was It, it was the, no, it was the Palm Springs episode that we actually played the email that Jacob gave us. So uh-huh. thank you again for that. Please go listen to that, uh, fantastic email musical that, uh, Jacob, uh, sang us, uh, at that point. But at this time he wanted to talk to us about the hunt, the move, the Craig Zobel film that we reviewed last week. Um, in being the blasé, middle-of-the-road, buzzwordy buzzwordy B-movie that, besides some Oscar-level acting thrown in by the lead, is mostly meh, it becomes something that left-leaning and right-leaning folk can watch at the same time and come away from with similar experiences. I think that they would, bo- would note this ridiculous stereotype shown on both sides, but have to contend with the fact that that it's sort of dumb how this movie can be even be somewhat understand an understandable representation of politics in the United States. And I think that's a very tragic, uh, uh, understatement at this point. Sure. The conversations the hunt seemed to spark and the interesting messages it reminded me of are that very few people are the stereotype and it's unfair and dangerous to think of people as such. It may be a bit, and made me a bit sad that this movie didn't get a theatrical release. Um, I'm not 100% on board with the the final statement, but I do agree with the sentiment there that very few people are the stereotype, and it is incredibly sad that uh, the the definition of red state, blue state politics could be, um, okay, not accurately examined using this film, but at least... Uh, highlighted using this film. I mean, uh, one, like
0: highlighted, and sh- circled in a trillion sharpies. Like, yeah. yeah.
1: One one correction I want to make uh, that we repeated uh, many times over in the last episode was that Universal uh, put out a press statement at some point saying that at no point was this film ever called Red State versus Blue State. That really? was a rumor. Uh, we may have got that wrong. I think the sentiment it doesn't change any of the cent- of the arguments we are making about the way the film divides up red and blue in the film, but uh, just a just a correction
0: there. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Well, thank you, Jacob. Uh, (laughs) I do agree that this is, uh, the the hunt is a uh, crystal look (laughs) at us all. Um, All right, next email is from Neil. And Neil Neil writes in, uh, dear hosts of The Only Movie, Uh, (laughs) Neil here, a real human person, reaching out directly because I'm a fan of The Only Movie, and I feel like I have an opportunity that fits this perfectly. Oh, it's spam. Oh, uh, God damn it. Uh, co-founder, Neil, blah, 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 Neil, Neil, you had me. He, they had some deal for us to think think Twitch, but with <laughs> blockbuster films, ticket sales, and it's all legal. Should uh, we
1: email Neil back and say, should. Neil will gladly sign up if you register to
0: vote? Maybe. Maybe we should. I mean, <laughs> he's saying he can offer us 100% of the net profits of each ticket we sell to our event. Wow. Uh So uh, Neil wants us to host an event. Um <laughs> And he hopes to exchange a uh, hop on a call or a Zoom, etc. soon. Looking forward to hearing from you and hope all is awesome. Wow, Neil. Thanks so much. What if Neil
1: is actually a real
0: person if who listens Neil is to a this real, podcast? If Neil is a real person <laughs> and the issue that we're having, I, I don't know, because why would we just call the only movie?
1: <laughs> because
0: because that's kind could, of our Neil name. could have
1: been writing really fast. Neil could be on he holiday wrote mode three Neil, times. He Neil wrote could, the could only be really excited to write to us and just couldn't get the words out.
0: Just write Topam. <laughs> just do it. Anyway, Neil, thanks so much for your email. uh I, but, Oh, the title of this email I should have known is in all caps. Promise not spam. <laughs> God damn it, Neil. God damn it, Neil. Neil, if you're real. <laughs> write us in and make me feel like the biggest asshole on the planet, and I then go register to, to vote. I really want this to happen. Um, couple other things. Obviously, uh, this week, uh, before we get into uh, some yeah. uh, some being excellent to one e- to each other, uh, obviously last week we, we mentioned very briefly up top. Um, uh, well, there's a multiple uh, the multitude of horrors that are going on on the daily, it seems. Um, but Chadwick Boseman, uh, as we all know, uh, had passed away. Um and that was uh a shock and a and a kick in the cultural nuts um i don't even know what to say that has not already been said it just felt weird not to say it Not on a podcast yeah. that he literally brightened the entire genre of what we cover like of course
1: and uh, and i think we've done three films that he has been heavily featured in on this show so uh i think it's a uh, fair enough to to acknowledge the passing of someone so young i believe he was 43 years old at the time yeah um and someone who uh Continue to talk about um, the importance of the role. I think you know we. If you go back and listen to the episode about on Black Panther, this is not a plug for that episode. Just a sort of reflection on the way we talked about that movie. Um, you know, I think there was no uh, denying the the sort of perfect casting of Chadwick Boseman as Black Panther. And I think it's the the tragedy now is that you know with, with all IP like this is that the characters live on beyond the actors. Yeah. But uh, this is one where um you know this is the first and the major representation of this character on screen and so i don't see anyone stepping into the role easily though i do feel that the role should be continued not least of which because of the significance the chat or the 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 elevation of the the sort of meaning of that character through Chadwick Boseman's performance, and I think the if there's any take, you know, like there's there's all sorts of stories now about you know Boseman and, and his life and 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 you know how he lived the last few years of his life with people not knowing um, that he was suffering from colon cancer while he was still making so many amazing movies and choosing really interesting roles um, like the Five Bloods, which we did a few weeks ago, yeah, um, was to me one of the interesting stories about you know kind I talked about this in Black Panther was the the fact that Forrest Whitaker was so critical to Black Panther coming to existence because Forrest Whitaker was such a uh, an early um, supporter and patron of Ryan Kugler, the director right um, but Chadwick Boseman talked um, uh, at length about the fact that while he was a student uh, he had gotten into some um, uh, a, a, a performance acting program at Oxford University, I think, and uh, a whole bunch of them had, and uh, they couldn't afford to go. Uh, and so uh, somehow Denzel Washington was told about this mm-hmm. and paid for them to go. And so uh, what Chadwick Boseman kind of said is there's no Black Panther without Denzel Washington. And the idea being there that, that the, you know, Black Panther is the movie, no matter what you think of it, uh, is such an important moment in the sort of in the optics of res- representation yeah. that that and the idea that it comes into existence because so many people were paying it forward. Um, kind of, I, I for me, that is the sort of key takeaway about Bozeman's very short, you know, and unfortunately tragically short uh, career is that I think he was a person who understood. Um, the shoulders of the giants that he stood on, yeah. and and I think from this point forward, what we should take away from Bozeman's life is the idea that everything we do, we should pay for it. So, um, you know, I I think Bozeman himself, um, you know was a terrific actor who had many great years ahead of him, you know, many great films to come, at least of which the follow, you know, the ability to follow on that character. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's, it is shocking. It's surprising. Um, and it, it comes at a time when we need our heroes to be there for us. So when they can't be and through no fault of their own, obviously yeah. it hurts all the more. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, and he certainly was a hero.
0: Yeah, and I mean, even beyond Black Panther, which is a fucking amazing movie, I mean, I don't think the man made a bad film. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Forty Two, Get on Up, Marshall, Twenty One Bridges. Although I didn't see Twenty One Bridges, um, uh, I-, I wanted to, I just never got to it. I'm going to uh, soon. I
1: don't, I I think the the movies that that aren't as strong are not not strong because of him. He's, sure. No, no, he, 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 he carries elevated, every film. He
0: elevated pieces. Yeah. Uh. So yeah. Um. Just um you know wanted to bring that up uh Bozeman forever <laughs> yeah. and i'm really sad that we're not going to be able to have him uh to be honest stewarding a cinematic landscape that he helped shift yeah um and yeah so that's that um but doing a hard pivot the yeah. ha- the hardest of pivots getting into our uh our phone booth remember phone booths
1: um, I do remember phone booths. There's, there, there's a phone booth in Astoria, isn't there? there? There's this one phone booth in Astoria that I've seen, and I always walk past it, and it actually still has a phone in it that functions, and I've always been like, what the fuck is that? It's a phone like, booth, man. But, but like, like people who grew up after 1990 are going to look at that thing and have no idea what it is. Sure.
0: But at the same <laughs> time, I mean, there is something afoot at the Astoria Circle K. Uh, <laughs> Bill and Ted face the music. Shaheer, I just have to know right up top, did you go into this movie with any expectation whatsoever? You kind of said you just wanted to, like, roll through it because it seemed like a nice, chill thing. But, like, you knew we had to talk about it, even though you're on summer break or whatever. (laughs) So what, (laughs) what, what were you thinking going in?
1: So you talked a little bit about like why is it that these characters endure? Uh, I think early on, and um, I think there's there's two or three uh, reasons that I can think of at the top of my head. One is that I think, um, from, and this is anecdotal on my part, but I think it is true for many of these characters whom we love at this at this particular time. Um, uh, is that is that Belentid was a perfectly is a is a perfect rewatchable. It's especially for me. Bogus Journey was a perfectly uh, a perfectly great movie to throw on at any point, and I owned a VHS copy of it friends would come over and that's what we would watch so we're just happy to watch that movie at any time we loved um you know i think most of all i love death in the in the film i love bill sadler's death um (laughs) for me also i you know wanting to see where that image came from that led me to ingmar bergman Mm -hmm. um so that was kind of a really neat like you know like i don't know death playing chess from uh ingmar you know from ingmar uh, bergman i know it from bill and ted's bogus journey
0: listen you may be a king or a little Street sweeper, but sooner or later, you dance with the reaper. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, you know. what
1: <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, so I think you know, like the the rewatchability, the fact that it was on, um, you know, that that people often had VHS's of it, um, was was kind of um, one of the reasons. But the other, the other factor for me, uh, and while I didn't, uh, I didn't write down any of these thoughts. I just kind of so
0: so bear with me as I'm saying this out loud. Go from the heart. This movie, look, this movie lives and dies on heart. Right. Go forth. Okay. The French
1: philosopher Jean-Paul Sartre (laughs) once (laughs) wrote on the subject of good, of bad faith, that bad faith was the concept of holding two contradictory thoughts and acting on the negative uh, while presenting the positive, I think I believe that was the the summation okay. of the idea of bad faith acting, as written by Jean Paul Sartre. Uh, the concept of bad faith has been extended into everything from culture, politics. Uh, acting itself. And I think where it's come to play in recent years is this, is this notion of good faith acting and bad faith acting. And I'm not speaking about acting the actual profession, but people who act in good faith and people who act in bad faith and sure. whether our response to which is delineated between how we perceive them to be. And bear with me. I'm going to get to Bill and Ted's in a second. Okay. Um, I'm on board. But, Uh, The 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 this has become no more prevalent in the case of and again, I'm coming back to the election, but in the case of uh, Donald J. Trump and Barack Obama, which is to say that um, people have criticisms of Barack Obama and Barack Obama was not a perfect president. But we understood, and and I think for the most part, we believed that Barack Obama acted in good faith, and therefore we were willing to endure his actions uh, because we believed, no matter how contradictory they could be or how or, or problematic some could some of his actions sure. be, we believed he acted in good faith. Whereas mm-hmm. with Donald J. Trump, no matter. Uh, what he does, I believe he acts in bad faith at all times. Right. And and I am not, uh, even if he is willing to uh, pardon uh, people who are deserving of pardons, um, uh, I still believe he is acting in bad faith
0: most of the time. I mean, for every one of those that deserve it, there's like nine that don't.
1: No, but but
0: of course, of course. And yeah, we believe he's a bad faith actor. Also, why do you always say his middle initial?
1: (laughs) What's that? You always say Donald J. Trump. In many ways, I think that is a, a, a point that I want to make. I'm not doing it consciously, but I, I'm saying his full name because I think he's an absurd human being. Okay, fair. I, I, think, right. I think he is a ridiculous human being. Sorry to interrupt, but I was wondering
0: yeah. that last week, too. Um,
1: yeah. <laughs> um, but the reason why I think Bill and Ted's endures, uh, because I think these movies are very slight they're very fluffy. There's not a lot of stakes. There's not a lot going on. I rewatched Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, mm-hmm. which I haven't seen a lot. I think I've only seen that the one time growing up. I've seen Bogus Journey a lot more. And I did find Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure to be slightly tedious to watch. It's very long, takes a lot of time. It, has the, it wears its sort of like 1989-ness on its sleeve I love it. in terms of it being a little slow and not... It just felt clunky to me. Um, but the thing that it has is good faith. I believe that everyone on board is kind of enjoying what they're doing mm-hmm. and there's a commitment to the bit. And, and Bill and Ted Fa- Ted's Face the Music is a film that I think, for me personally, is not one that's going to sit with me very long. I, I don't think it's going to stay with me for a long time. Uh, it's one that I sort of struggle to remember moments of now, mm-hmm. but it made me feel good as I watched it. Yeah. And I and the ending of the film in particular, the final, um, you know, 20 minutes of the movie, I think are a beautiful summary of why this film kind of works is that it acts in good faith and it acts in the bitterment of an idea beyond itself. Now, and I'm not backhanding that. I'm, I, I do genuinely think that the reason why this endures and the reason why people like Keanu Reeves, for example, is that we believe that he's a good faith person, mm-hmm. you know, like that we that that he is always acting in the best interests of us as an audience. And, and you know, like as his performance, like he's thinking through these things. So. Bill and Ted's Face the Music I think is a movie that sort of shouldn't work on paper, and it is a nostalgia fuel trip, and it is repeating a lot of the same beats from the first two movies, and sort of just giving them spins, and and it doesn't quite you know all land, and and it's you know clunky at times, but I kind of enjoyed it. I kind of enjoyed it for what it was, and I enjoy and I I kind of dug the I dug the final 20 minutes so much that I was willing
0: to go along with everything that it had to do i mean i believe it was the great steve walsh who said all we are is dust in the wind dude was <laughs> um, well, it
1: uh did Socrates respond from that or uh, no
0: that's what <laughs> yeah. got him on board that's what got him in the uh that's what got him in the booth gotta get him in the booth um so well, what did you think well i'll tell you what i thought right after i tell you what imb imdb thinks this <laughs> film is uh they imdb says Once told they'd save the universe during a time-traveling adventure, two would-be rockers from San Dimas, California, find themselves as middle-aged dads still trying to crank out a hit song and fulfill their destiny. (laughs) First and foremost, best premise for a Bill & Ted 3. (laughs) I don't think this would have held up. One one thing that I think this franchise does very well is, and and, and maybe, dare I say, write us in, onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com, Possibly better than any other f- comedy franchise is it, is it makes its sequels enough of a reinvention of the mechanics and the thing that you love it doesn't none of these feel like a rehash even though there is rehashing being done maybe that has to do with some very clever script writing maybe that has to do with the stuff that Shahir just said about this movie feeling like it's acting in good faith or all of them doing that but but I've always been impressed by like they kept the good stuff never felt like they were redoing the same bits and managed to turn two f- Really stalk characters into things that like actually had emotional resonance because of the love that was being put into the project. So, when I was hearing about Bill and Ted 3, I knew that they would have to be middle-aged. I knew whatever. And mm-hmm. then I heard about the daughters, and I loved that addition. I think that was great. I, I think... um, I have a decent amount of problems with the film as well, which I'll get into, but I will say straight up, they don't matter. This movie... um. Affected me more than I thought, and I and look, look. Part of it is the is exactly what Jira said: the good faith act of this movie's creation and release. The other fact of it is this is a time period where we don't get movies like this right now. Movies like this don't exist much that have that wear literally their heart on their sleeve and that are this level of just sort of fun. And you know, truth be told, with all the heavy shit that's going on in the world um that's totally understandable but then this thing comes out the gate uh also side note the way a film should be released right now uh it's only I believe in drive-ins and VOD um which I think is a really strong move I mean in, in a in a week uh that also had the new mutants release in theaters and uh also uh Tenet well Tenet's overseas Tenet's not in the US yet.
1: No Tenet is here. You can uh, you can I, and I I do want to float this. Uh
0: you can't actually rent out a theater to watch Tenet if you want fucking whatever. <laughs> like I am I'm, I'm actually look, I was about to say the people that are in our industry of film review we we are not in the film review industry. We do this for fun. Um but there's been a lot of really I don't know I, there's been a lot of really good, good actors, I'll say, in the review space that I respect. Uh, one, for instance, Nando V Movies did a video on why he's not going to review new mutants, even though to be honest, new Mutants is the thing that he has been psyched for the longest out of almost every Marvel property because he doesn't feel safe telling people to go to a theater. and that's a hundred percent true. I, I get a little bit I get a little miffed when people are still doing the same old stuff when stuff isn't available in a safe way. That's just my own little soapbox. That's neither here nor there. Bill and Ted rolled into my living room. And to be honest, the second we did... I mean, I was going to do it anyway. But I watched this movie the day it was released. Right. Um, Normally, I like watching the films a little bit closer to the record so I can keep it fresh in my mind and I can, you know, uh, write the notes up right after. And this was one that I actually sort of... I was so excited I had to see it. And I got to say, I was not disappointed. Um, Mm. the, 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 The overall premise... Is wonderful. Uh there are clunky moments, for instance. I wish there was kind of I wish there was I never thought I'd say this, but I wish there was more other non-Bill and Ted characters, like to sort of put this sort of through. Because the, the daughters, um Billy and Thea, uh Ooh. go on their own sort of adventure, very similar to the old school one, only now they're getting famous musicians to help their dads build the band that will not only s- reunite the world, but now save the universe. I also loved the graphics of like reality being like a turntable that was skipping. Right. <laughs> I thought yeah. that was really fun. Um I, 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 and I think the, the, the two actresses who play the daughters, um, uh, Kristen Shaw and, um, oh no, I'm sorry, not Kristen no. Shaw. Kristen Shaw was Rufus's daughter. A lot of daughters yeah. in this movie. Uh, Samara Weaving and Bridget Lundy Payne, um, like, embody Bill and Ted perfectly. Yeah. I wish there was a little more connective tissue with them and their dads. Like, there's some, but, like, I kind of wish there was that, like, a little bit more of that, like, emotional connection. And I also wish there was a bit more uh, of a connection um between uh Aaron Hayes's Elizabeth and Jemiah May's Joanna the the princesses because I Jeez. thought when that opened up in the therapy session and like all that stuff and how they're just so co bill and Ted are so codependent on one another that they are not the, like mm. I thought that would be a larger thing in the movie like it's poisoning their marriages it's also probably I thought it was going to tie into like why they couldn't write the song like why they were having trouble right. um and I wanted it to be a little bit more like on the on the concept of like um, you know symbiotic friendships and sort of things like that. And and it does sort of drop those threads near the end to get to what shahir says is a very tight end twenty minutes. Yeah. Um. That that I straight up I got misty at the end of. And this is a this is a a, a dumb movie. It's a it's mm. smart in certain ways. It's emotionally smart, but it is a dumb movie. And. I I couldn't believe that I had like a t- like tears welling up in my eyes at the end of this thing. And I think that just outweighs for me every negative thing that I could kind of say about it. Um I actually thought, uh, uh, and I love uh, Anthony Carrigan, who plays the character mm-hmm. that Cheer brought up. And we're get, we're deep into spoilers now. Dennis Caleb McCoy, who is a yeah. murder bot that they send back to kill Bill and Ted because the prophecy could say that they, if they die, it's going to be okay. There's a weird sort of thing about that. I did not like that character. Huh. Uh, I thought that was the moment that felt really shoehorned in, like they wanted another death or station. Yeah. But it, they it already was a, had yeah, death, death character. Yeah. They already had death. And, like, I could have seen, again, this is me Monday morning quarterbacking or whatever you want to call it, but, like, the people from the future could have went, because Death and the Wild Stallions have beef at this point. They could have, like, gone to Death and then been like, hey, Death, listen, the prophecy, and he'd be like, oh, I know. And he's like, you know what you have to do now, right? And then it could be Death sort of hunting Bill and Ted, and there could Mm -hmm. have been a thing, like, it would have been a much cleaner narrative through line. Again, the concept of this murder bot is funny, but mm. I honestly felt like a lot of like that was the flattest moment in this movie for me and i i I hear a lot of people saying that that was one of their favorite parts um anyway, that was just like oh uh, uh, but again, that doesn't matter because I could a tell that Anthony Kerrigan was having a blast doing that android uh yeah. that uh a- along with everyone else and b uh it never derailed it enough for me to like not have the emotional through line of like the, the big takeaway for me, I think, is the concept of legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is the third film in a franchise. Bill and Ted have been told since day one as characters that they will be the ones to used to be unite the world and now it's save reality. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then realizing that um, this is a weird thing to say, but like legacy isn't all about you. And I think that's a message we kind of need in this time as well. Mm. uh like you you can be a part of something but like the things that last and that matter in the world are not going to be tied directly to you as an individual it will be tied to the things that you do the people that you help create love etc and they will be like all of that together will be the thing that lifts up something and makes something great and uh, I like that the story kind of took it that way because before, in both of the other movies, while fun, if you're looking for any sort of important meaning, they are still the chosen ones. yeah. And and that's a cool trope, I guess, uh, because it's in a comedy here and like it's not really asking for a deeper meaning. But I thought this movie did a really great job of turning that meaning around and kind of giving a more – giving a very needed 2020 message mm-hmm. uh, in a film that is tonally exactly the balm I needed for my soul. Even though it could have just gone off the rails in a trillion different ways and been a a, a, a blip, I actually think, Shaheer, that you know how you said, like you know, this is, doesn't feel like something that is like going to be as classic as, say, the other two. I agree on a on a on a on a on the on the movie. If I had to look at the movie in a vacuum, uh, I agree. I don't think I can ever look at this movie in a vacuum. I think <laughs> this is one that I just have to take the L on and be like this is representative of something i needed in a in in one of my darkest places. Right. And i think i will be forever grateful to this film for existing and reminding me that like it's not always like this. And i don't think i'll ever be able to divorce that, so i really can't give uh, I, I, I guess I did. I can say that like I understand that it's a thing on its own, but the thing in the context in which I saw... I think this will be something I revisit. I wanted to watch this again right after I watched it. Right. Um, of course, I, I couldn't because I had to go to sleep, and then you only get the rental for 24 hours, so that's annoying. Uh, I, here's just the case
1: in point, was that I actually said, uh, when I looked at the difference between the rental price and the owning price, I was like... You know what? I'm going to shell out the $5 and own it so that I don't have to like, you know, stress about when I'm going to watch this, you know, start watching. So I actually bought the whole, I bought it for 25 bucks. Nice.
0: I mean, again, because of good faith. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I would have done that, but straight up, I will buy this on Blu-ray. Like I have the first two on Blu-ray. I would really like to own this in a physical medium. Um, Side note, there's a, um, not to derail too much. But there's a story going around right now that even though Disney is now backpedaling from it, that's saying they're going to, there was a rumor that they were going to stop releasing 4K Ultra Blu rays uh, for all of their properties. Disney has now said that that, no, that's not the case. And they look at every film as an individual basis and will, uh, you know, nothing has been canceled. But they also haven't started to announce new releases. So, Mm. yeah. Again, now that's a very specific type of physical media. Not a lot of homes have the 4K TV, have the hardware to do it. So I totally understand that. But that kind of is a weird precursor to me to like, well, why would they want to give physical media anymore when they can just keep selling us subscriptions and then have control over movies and change things whenever they'd like to? Because, again, we've talked about it before. Movies are going to get patches, Mm -hmm. y'all. So anyway, sorry, that's my tangent. Buy physical media. It's important for an archival purpose. Um, if you can if you have places to to put it and you'll always have it eh. <laughs> um, I, i'm i am i am a person
1: who owns a lot of physical media and i and I consider physical media to be my my dumb purchases where I like I buy them because i they make me feel good but I know deep down in my soul this is a pointless thing to buy um because I know that I spent a lot of money on cds and I don't even know where half of those cds are now but I would and argue i, know, I knowing and, you and, I, and the and physical media, I think, is on its way out. Uh, I just buy it for the, you know i'm I'm, you know, I'm of the generation which I like to have physical media, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't argue that physical media is necessary for uh, the future of the medium. I, you know, I, I think, I can point to certainly benefits that I like about it but I think um, you know the media is going to change to all digital at some point anyway and oh. whether I whether I like it or not
0: I know but and I agree that that's going to be the way it goes but I would say like the reason why you don't really remember your CDs is because to be quite honest I can't remember more than two or three conversations I've ever had with you about music like film is the thing you love if I depict the the genre of art that Shahir Dow loves the best I would say that it is film
1: <laughs> and... <laughs> right but I also have quite an extensive CD collection which i've cultivated for a long period of time and i'm just saying and i you know would with as much fervor uh as i had for movies but i don't keep those and and the reason i don't is that mp3s came out and my life got a whole lot easier sure uh
0: when but when mp3s came out in in a world where in a world where mm-hmm. we're um where we're not going to have control over the over the things that like versions of films or or re-releases or things like that or what if a company goes through a thing with another company and then you can't get your favorite criterion movie again like there's there's reasons why i think even from a and this is a weird sort of broader meta co- comment about it but for the for the cultural archival of film or art that you like having a physical copy is the safest way to preserve it for you and in general. The cloud is very contingent on a lot of different things outside of your control. Granted, Blu-rays are contingent on technology and electricity, etc. But then again, so is the cloud. It's just one less step. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I just All think... Right. I, I don't know. Sorry. That's a tangent. We, we, we veered off here. We veered off. I'm so, sorry, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, But uh, on that note, and, and sort of... um even. <laughs> You know, and I'm trying to segue back. They did get eventually the song that was on a piece of physical media drive. Uh, it was a, it was on a thumb drive. Um, but but
1: what it was just the it was just the words at the end, right? Like it was just uh, like they broke the they broke the physical media, and then at the end they realized what the what the message was, dude. Well, they
0: did, but it was still on there. That's the thing. So okay, let's talk about the the very clever things this film does in particular with the characters of Bill and Ted.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We visit three different timeline, four different time, four different points in Bill yeah. and Ted's life where they have not yet done the song that will save reality. Mm-hmm. The first one is them playing like a dive bar, like they were promised to do this thing like and a, they never got like big, etc. Motel Six
1: or something, wasn't yeah. it? <laughs>
0: and, they, um, and they're just like mean and dark. And like yeah. it's funny because in that version you can see Keanu's sort of like uh John Wick. John Wick, yeah. A bit. <laughs> like if John Wick was a drunk. Yeah. Um then the next one is sort of their like Aerosmith mansion rocker phase, but it turns out that they're like kind of just like Johnny Depp esque assholes that are squatting in Dave Grohl's mansion. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was super fun. Then of course they are in prison. Uh, as super jacked sort of death metal heads uh, <laughs> who uh, basically were trying to lure Bill and Ted there through the promise of the song eventually to steal the the <laughs> the phone booth to get out and do the song themselves, and then finally on their deathbeds uh, as super old men. Side note, I will say this from a technical acumen standpoint. The makeup work, the special effects makeup work in this film is superb.
1: Yeah, uh, it's very good. Especially uh I the, the odd thing is the uh the muscular Keanu Reeves in prison. Uh-huh. I was like I kind of buy that that could happen for some reason. Like mm-hmm. I was like I kind of believe that that could potentially happen. Whereas the uh the muscular Alex Winter, I was like this doesn't I don't know if this could happen like this, but muscular Keanu Reeves, I was like I this could this feels like it could, you know, like we're not too we could get this.
0: I don't know, man. I mean, I got to say kudos to uh Alex Winters for like I mean, he they're both they're both in their fifties, right? Yeah, they both. In their 50s, uh, he yeah. looked in damn good shape. He still had the, and this is a bold move for an aging man. I know that I'm, I'm, I'm not fat by any means of the imagination, but I am not as taut in the tummy as I used to be. And uh, the the fashion uh, choice of tying a flannel or something around your waist does start to look silly the older you get. And he still looked like the right shape of of a torso to do that. So. Uh, I would like to politely disagree, Mr. Dowd. I think that they both could pull that off.
1: Oh, I, I guess what I mean is is that Keanu has maintained an action movie star sure. um, okay, yes. role over his life. Alex Winter is not someone who I've seen in that capacity. Alex Winter has actually moved into documentary filmmaking. And yes. He made a documentary about cryptocurrency, I believe, recently. Uh, and he also made a movie that I did see called Freaks, where which was kind of like a gross-out comedy of like the early noughts, I think it was, where he gets muta- uh, half his face mutated and plays like a grisly freak. Yeah, that it's, was 93.
0: And this was the first film he hasn't done as a, like, cameo of himself since then.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, so it was 93. Jeez, it was a while ago. Um, which I remember being, like, a movie that just is kind of it's just one step too far, you know, like there's nothing, there's no anchor to it to kind of hold it down. Um, but I, but like, you know, I follow Alex Winter on Twitter. He seems like a delightful person who seems you know, has his heart in the right place. We all, we've had the conversation about uh, Keanu Reeves to a to certain degree as well. Um, and, you know, uh, I think uh, the fact that he's returning to the matrix as well as, you know, like proof and, you know, like every actor, I think of his age, has that you know, like his age and that length of career, has that moment in their lives where I think they start revisiting a lot of their old, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger did it. Yeah. Um, you know, everyone kind of just goes back to the well a little bit and sees and sees what they could do with these characters now. Um, I think you know, I think he's doing it in a way that that feels sincere and earnest. And again, while I didn't, I wasn't like hundred percent on board with everything this movie was doing. I was like, okay with everything this movie was doing, because I think there's a, there's a, there's a sort of, um, uh, a lack of, uh, a lack of gravitas that this film kind of travels with. And yep. I think that all the movies have traveled with, that means that, it's just th- that it doesn't matter if they don't hit the mark. And they don't hit the mark on several occasions. And yeah. I think, you know, like the, the sort of meaning of this film is not uh, as weighty as it could be. But at the same time, I think they hit a note that is true and sincere and lands and works and, and works for what this movie is and and conveys the, the sort of the understanding of, the differences between 1993 and 2020 and the differences between, you know, the, the, the sort of who these characters were then and who they are now. And, and, you know, like um, what, what oddly, despite the fact that the film was made prior to the pandemic and prior to where we are in the world now seems to be one of those films that, Speaks to the world right now in that unique way that many films don't get to do and and whether that is you know serendipitous or whether it's you know by design I you know I would venture to say it's more serendipity than by design this this final act. As you said, right now resonates more because of the time we are yeah. in, and because of our separation, and because of the fact that you know, uh, as we discussed like last week, we are increasingly more polarized. Um, this film, with its sort of message of unity and harmony, and the sort of the the symphonics of music binding together the world, it all lands. Yeah, you know, like right it right all place, it right all, time. Yeah, it, it is. It all lands, and I. I, I I think Dean Parasot, who's the director who also directed Galaxy Quest, which is, a, you know, a great, uh, a great uh, uh, um, sort of take on that yep. type of science fiction, um, you know, just seems to have the, like that, that sort of the softest of touch, you know, here, where, where again, it's all in good faith. It's all in good fun. Um, there's, there, there's a clear understanding of where we are um, that makes this all kind of land. Um, I mean, I, you know, like, comparatively saying i think i think it is sort of doing it's doing a rehash of both bill and ted's excellent adventure in terms of like going into the past and finding all these characters and bringing them back into the future uh, you know with the daughters and at the same time you know like doing this sort of death thing when the third thing uh, with bill and ted there's a you know the weird sort of anomaly with the princesses um and and then you know them seeing themselves in future i, I to me that stuff didn't quite it it never fully landed the you know them visiting their older selves you know like it just it, it was just sort of one degree off for me but but it but it was fine it was perfectly fine.
0: I um another thing I really appreciated and it's kind mm-hmm. of a rarity um these days it feels was the treatment of Billy and Thea mm-hmm. never like sort of ex- never ex- was felt explo- exploitative like they were never harassed for being women right. Uh, And that is a deliberate choice because, of course, you could take it that route. There could be an aside. There could be something with it because they travel through a lot of different parts of history. And, like, they choose to not do that or make it an issue or a problem. Um, And I think that's a very positive message like i really liked them as characters i wanted more of them like i kind of wanted to see where their story would go i love the idea that this time they're going back and having to collect musicians because for the first two films not a lot of music uh it's it's historical figures and (laughs) then and then sci-fi characters (laughs) yeah (laughs) um and and here they're like kind of cut to the chase and they go back, I mean, they get Mozart and like yeah. uh like the the oh and like side note the reason I thought of Mozart was I looked up this thing, he, he's I, I don't know exactly how he speaks it, but the translation of the first line he says is who is the coolest bastard here? <laughs> or like who is the horniest sound? It's like a it's like a it's a take on on a different thing, but like just him being a super pompous dude. Uh I don't know. They that just felt like oh yeah this is supposed to be about music i even you know what to be honest i, I the first song they play at the wedding yeah <laughs> was just like one arrangement away from All Right, like it was bad but you could tell it was crafted with some thought like it was a real like engineered like here's what someone who is so deep in music, who's gone so far off the deep end of music theory is going to try to put out there as a song I
1: was I was into it, I was kind of like going, I really want to hear what this theorem in Solo sounds like, you yeah. know like I was like I was, I was kind of like, I want to hear what Bill and Ted's... Idea. And uh, to be honest, there is one thing that really resonated with me, and it, re- it reminded me of, of something that happened to me in my life. Um, but this idea at the very beginning of the film, where they, they sort of... They talk about the fact that they had this destiny to fulfill, and they feel like they they haven't quite got there yet, and they're yep. always trying something new in order to get there because they know that they have to do it. But, you know, uh, is it Bill or Ted? I don't know the difference. Uh, I think... Um, <laughs> Uh, Tids is I'm really tired and, and, you know, like I've just, I've just had enough of this. And when I was in high school, um, there was a kid a couple of years younger than me that was the musician, right? Like, Mm. you know, there's always one kid at school who's like the musician. And this kid, I don't remember his name, but was like long haired. Played the guitar like you like nobody had ever played it before. Uh, fronted uh, our you know one of the school bands and was the best you know at everything. And uh, I think he won the the local state battle of the band. You know like his band won the battle of the sure. bands. Um he was awesome. You know like and 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 you were just like man this this kid's a rock star. And a few years later, about I, I want to say like four or five years later, I just remember this so vividly. Um, I was walking down the street in my town and I saw him pull up to the, uh, the store was called Cash
0: Converters, which is the the po- uh, pawn store. I'm familiar to- with Cash Converters.
1: Do they have Cash Converters here? Is yeah. it like a thing here?
0: Or, or or there was a pawn shop called Cash Converters in my college town, but I don't know if yeah, it's the yeah, same yeah. instance. yeah.
1: And the kid pulled out of uh, a Coca-Cola Rips vehicle, so it's a vehicle where you're you're the person who goes around
0: the brand ambassador.
1: Yeah, no, 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 not the brand ambassador. He was the district You know, he worked in distribution for Coca-Cola.
0: Oh, on the street brand ambassador.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, not no, 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 he wasn't like you know he was wearing a shirt and a tie. I understand. His you. hair had been cut short, um, and he was yeah, and it, and I remember it was a Coca-Cola vehicle, and he was walking into cash converters with his guitar. Um, and, and I just, I just remember that moment so vividly because Mm. this was the guy, you know, like I just, and I, and look, I'm, uh, I, I ostensibly, I would consider myself a failing filmmaker, um, you know, like a, a failed filmmaker at this point, you know, like still, you know, still giving it the old college try, but you know, not, not someone who's had a lot of, you know, like major success or anything like that, hasn't made it. Um, so that moment when Bill says, you know what, I'm just tired. Really reminded me of the moment I saw this kid walking down the street, you know, like selling his guitar, you know, and and Tid in this movie says, you know, I, I went to this place and they they agreed to give me sixty five hundred for the Liz Paul. Um, I, it just it felt it rang very true for me. It rang very true to like this idea, and of course, at it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a as movies go, it's a, it's at that exact moment when. Um, when fate steps in and redirects them to, to the importance of their life, which is what movies do and what real life doesn't do. Yep. Um but but I I did believe the sincerity of that moment, you know, like of of selling the Les Paul and like and being tired of having to fulfill this destiny and never quite making it. Or There's feeling a- that they had this destiny. And and like having to sort of say, shit, maybe we were wrong. You know yeah. like you know, you know that
0: self-doubt. And this movie it's it's interesting because it it does the greatest kind of thing that it could do in that situation it kind of has its cake and eats it too it is correct they are t- they, they it's not them but they're a part of it like mm. there's and i really like that sort of it has that thing where like no the reason why it's not working is because and and it's partially the future's fault for giving them the wrong thing just like i and i, I can't speak for you, Shahir, um but i feel like when you in, in the times that we grew up um, uh, if you had sort of loving and supporting parents, one of the, the, the larger, um, things that you're told as a young child, I don't know if you tell your kid this or, or anything like that, and there's nothing wrong with it if you do, but I was definitely told like that, like how special I was and how I could do anything. And like, you know, da, 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 da. and those things are quite true. And I think there is value to them for a child. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, as you grow up, I mean, straight up. Listeners at home, especially if you're closer to Sheer and I's age, I would be very interested to sort of hear this. I know it's a little more personal than we normally get, but onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. Um, I feel like, like Shahir just said, like he feels like uh, he is a, a failed filmmaker, so to speak. I would disagree, but that's neither here nor there. The But the wins that I have experienced in my professional life with the things that I am passionate about as I have gained age are coming fewer and farther between. Yeah. (laughs) And that is a reality of life. We will all age out of relevance. But again, (laughs) the thing about this movie is it calls it out. Fate does intervene. You think that Bill and Ted, and granted it doesn't do it hyper cleverly, like you know the daughters are going to have a big part, but I thought they would like take over and do it. But it wasn't that. It was they are a part of getting this thing together to bring the, the tools that their fathers needed to do the thing along with all of these other... Louis Armstrong, Jimi Hendrix, like, great performances there. Uh, uh, Ling Lun. Like, the, the idea that even though Bill and Ted have been told their entire basically adult lives that they are hyper special and they're the ones that are going to save the world slash existence, it's not them. It's things that they have done and people that they have interacted with and in some ways created but it is not what they did it's like specifically it is not them that is writing the song it is all of the things that they espoused and did throughout their life that allowed the song to exist (laughs) um and i thought that was a very powerful sort of look because i honestly movies either a give you the nope doesn't matter fate stepped in and now you're really gonna do it and hooray and that's been fed to us a lot or the real downer like Nah, just kidding. This is bullshit. Womp womp. And very rarely do you get the nice middle ground of kind of what I think the truth is in life, and that is, you are a part of a legacy. Your your individual legacy is not important, but the things that you can do around the people that you are around can actually make a difference. So you you know, you want to know a, a really interesting piece of serendipity? Sure. Right now, right
1: this second. Uh, because I don't follow these directors very, very closely. But um, as you were saying, like, I haven't seen, you know, I think you said, what's a movie that sort of talks about that middle ground? Yeah. The first movie that came to mind in my head was Mr. Holland's Opus. Have you seen okay. that Okay, a long-ass time ago. Yeah, Mr. Holland's Opus is about a uh, a composer who, you know, dreams of making it big, but finds his life kind of gets in the way. And eventually the, the thing that happens in the film is that he becomes a high school, you know uh, uh, high school music teacher, and he he writes a few uh compositions that are, are breathtaking. He writes this one uh, about his son who I think passes away in the film Spoiler. if you haven't seen Mr. Hans <laughs> oh, good shit. movie. Richard Dreyfus He's fantastic. I think he was nominated for an Oscar for we in it um it's It's really a film about the finding the joy in the successes that you have even if those successes aren't the successes you dreamed of. Yeah. And, you know, like, and they're, and they're minor. The, I, and so I was Googling Mr. Holland's opus as, we were, as you were mentioning that. And lo and behold, it is directed by Stephen Herrick, who directed Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure.
0: Yes! <laughs> that,
1: was, that was purely, purely by coincidence. I, was,
0: I did not intend that at all. A most excellent, serendipitous moment. I don't think I could end this any better than that. Um, this film is great. It's made with a lot of love. I think that love outweighs its flaws, in my opinion. You should 100% go watch this if you already haven't. Um, I think it is a bomb you might enjoy. Uh, Shahir, Yeah, I, I, I think,
1: you know, again, to your point about, like, the the screening venue of it, the more, the more Tenant insists upon being screened in theaters, the less, uh, the, the, the more annoyed I am at Tenant, yeah. you know, like it's that that good faith versus bad faith kind of uh, acting at that point, uh, whereas this, which, you know, said, okay, the pandemic's on, let's make this easy for you, here it is at home, Options. Uh, or yeah, here are some options. Watch it. Please enjoy it. You know, like we, we ask no more of you than the $19 it costs to rent. And uh, and if not that, you know, like wait for a few... I, I don't think anyone's saying uh, you must get this for opening weekend. I don't think they care. It's like rent this down the line if you need to as well. Yeah. You know, like um, for when it, when it ends up in your dollar bin store or whatever um, or, or iTunes 199 yeah. cent store. Um, and and that is an act of good faith. And, and the fact that, again, I could watch it at home uh, enjoy it. I think it's you know, it, it it it's certainly not the most polished. It's certainly not the most uh, uh, effective film, but it is affecting, mm-hmm. and it is surprisingly affecting, um, especially with where it goes. Yeah, and and I think it is sincere and true. So with that, I yes, I fully recommend this. I do have one one task for you, Mister Mister Kroll.
0: Okay, for the Matt and Shaheer
1: adventures
0: excellent adventures what do we it's not a bogus journey i feel like it, what we do is more of a bogus journey than it is more movie. of a bogus journey and but now we're about to face the music
1: oh jesus christ <laughs> i i posed this question to you an hour before the podcast you did i did and i and i haven't thought of the I, i've got like some names swirling in my head i have not written anything down so but i, I wondered and people could write us in with their thoughts on this as well if Matt and Shahir had to go back in time, and the entire fu- the entire future of reality as we knew and understood it depended upon a movie that we were going to be able to stream straight to VOD,
0: who would we enlist in order to help us out? To make that who movie. would we time travel to to retrieve? Can we actually not do ours now and just see what people write in? Because that, to me, is far more interesting than me just listing shit. <laughs> like, because because straight up, I'm more interested in the, the mental exercise that people that I hope like us and listen to us normally might did you, did you Did you come up with anyone? I did, but mine's a little bit esoteric. Um,
1: okay, that's fine. Why, why don't we come up with one or two to get people going and then... Put it to the ether.
0: So I did, okay, I did some weird, uh, these are my two. And they're, one is a a, a a film figure, of course, but one sort of isn't. But I was, so I was, so, like, I can was go so, anywhere in time. I was so enamored with the idea of these two people working together that I was like, okay, let's go. Uh, <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock. Okay, great. Okay. And weirdly enough, if this person exists, either the person or the group of people that made their work up, William Shakespeare. Okay, I, I was like, if we could get those two slash however many people in a room and like really hash out like a a a, a, a script that works on a ton of different levels once you'd have to explain to Shakespeare, of course, what film is um then then that's the beginning of something absolutely special. Did you have anything on your end? I had two filmmakers, okay. and one of which, if they
1: were in the room with the two people that you suggested, has adapted Shakespeare many a time before, and that was Orson Welles. Because yep. I just I think Orson Welles would come back and be as pompous as he was back then with all the technology that he has now, and he would probably make terrible films, but I am so there for it. I just want to see it. And the the slightly more esoteric one is a filmmaker by the name of William Greaves and uh the the film that William Greaves made was uh, this just takes me forever to say this this title the film is called Symbio Psycho Plasm. Jesus, what the fuck? <laughs> and and Symbio symbiotaxipla- That's a
0: different word than you said before. Yeah, it was. It was. You know,
1: is a is is basically a film about the making of about the unmaking of a film. Okay. It starts as a film set in Central Park, but then unravels in some way uh, and becomes a film about the filmmakers making this film about a film in Central Park. And then he even made a sequel to it, where I think Steve Buscemi came along and filmed half of. Of it with him it sounds like uh, gremlin's too <laughs> it's no it's nothing like it's it's more like Orson Welles' if for fate so I just thought those two people in a room together maybe with
0: Hitchcock and Shakespeare would kind of be interesting and then uh, I I have a third one that we could throw in as either we got
1: we gotta get five people I got star five
0: either a star or someone to really uh maneuver how Uh, to to convince the greatest people that we can get to all work together. And this is weird. Again, it's not a film person, but I'm knee-deep in the mythos of this person, and I'm fascinated by them lately, is literally Cleopatra. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Because Cleopatra, historically... Is not only one of the very few people that you could walk down the street from that time period and be like, hey, to anybody on the street, do you know who Cleopatra is? And they're like, oh, yeah, queen of Egypt, like whatever. Like there's not if you think about it, there's not a ton of historical figures that fit that bill. But honestly, it's because she was in such tight control, at least before Octavian then elevated her. And then, of course, Shakespeare elevated her Mm -hmm. um, uh, or I should say uh, not elevated. How do I put it? Changed, flipped the script and moved the narrative around that she had built. Um, the fact that she uh, literally controlled not only her empire but others due to the sheer force of will and just uh, either terror or likability was something that I thought could be used on a film set quite aptly, especially with groups of huge egoed uh, dudes. And I was like, this is a woman that can fucking control this entire, like, the ultimate producer, if you will. Um, <laughs> so we got...
1: So we got Orson Welles, Alfred Hitchcock, William Shakespeare, Cleopatra, and William Greaves.
0: Yeah, so that's ours. <laughs> but what do you all think? I would really like to know what you think.
1: Yeah, uh, who's anyway. you, who, who your band of five to make the ultimate movie? They don't have to be filmmakers at all. Uh, write us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at onlymoviepod if you had to face the music and make a movie. This who would it be? has
0: been the only podcast about Bill and Ted face the music. Thank you so much for listening. Shahir. when you are not saving reality through all of your sonic tones uh, while shedding a slight tear for a holographic Rufus. Where can folks find you? Wow. Uh, You can find me traveling on my Thomas the Train tank engine narrated
1: by George Carlin at uh, (laughs) (laughs) ShahirDaud.com. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D.com. Matt, when you are uh, quoting Shakespeare with Cleopatra playing your Lady Macbeth, where can people find you?
0: Oh, Anthony. can find me, of course, in the place where he was lifted through a window and died in Cleopatra's arms. But also my website, uh, matthwcarroll.com dot for my life and works. Also Skeletor, the number four, P-R-E-Z, on Instagram and PSN. And, of course, Emperor MSK on Twitter. Please also go check out the good works we are doing at Extra Credits. Of course, uh, the Cleopatra series is not out yet, but it's coming. We're wrapping up the third century crisis we're doing. I think by the time this drops, we'll have completed our series on syphilis. <laughs> uh, which is actually has John Wick on the cover because we do the, the this gag about the killer cure, um, <laughs> and then uh, we'll be doing. Uh, we have a great uh, one-off coming out on uh, the legend and the myth and the reality of the Harlem Hellfighters, which oh, was a, okay. uh, an all-black regiment in World War One. Yeah. Um, yeah. So please look forward to that. It's coming out soon. Um, yeah, next week. I have no idea. We're
1: not. We're not doing Tannen. Although I would say. If we had a, Patre- a Patreon and we were really shitty people, we would ask people to donate to our Patreon so we could rent out a movie theater so just you and I could see Tenant. But then who would we be talking to because not everyone's seen Tenant? Also,
0: also, that's a... Sh- I, no, you're right. If we were shitty people, we would do that. If we were what shitty want, people, we would do that. I, I, I won't. I, I don't, I don't new, new I, I, I want to review Tenant. I don't want to review New Mutants. I want to create content that is not pointing people toward something that could literally kill them. Side note, I don't know if you heard this, I'm going to end on a sad note. The Rock and his entire family have COVID.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, schools are reopening soon, so that's fun.
0: So maybe next week, <laughs>
1: uh,
0: another, another feel-good movie? I
1: don't know. Uh, high school musical? I don't know. Uh, uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right. We'll talk to you all next week, everybody. Take care of yourselves. Bye. Bye.